You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. Download our free mobile app while you're there. There's a ton of great resources, all of our teachings, a great online community to connect to, a digital Bible so you can follow along here. And if you are listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. We definitely don't want you to miss anything as we go through the Gospels verse by verse chapter by chapter, and we are in the Gospel of Matthew, starting with Matthew chapter 14 now. Uh, I, I feel like this has been some time to get here. We started back a few months ago, took a bit of a hiatus, and we are back in full swing. I'm loving all the feedback that I'm getting from you, uh, and uh, I appreciate that many of you are sharing this stream, and it is uh, becoming evident because we are seeing the amount of downloads uh, increase, so keep it up. Uh, we definitely want to get God's word in front of people uh, because the truth sets you free. Amen. So Matthew chapter 14 is a bit like a cutscene, right? We just came out of uh, 13 where Jesus is teaching in parables. Uh, you know, you can just go back from there. Uh, he is uh, going through the countryside. He's performing miracles. He's sending out his uh, disciples to do what he did. Uh, and, you know, in the parables, he's teaching the principles of the kingdom. And then where did we leave off uh, just a few days ago? Jesus goes back to his own hometown and gets less of a homecoming than you might think the Messiah would get. They actually take offense to his new direction in life because Let's be honest, they're a little bit too familiar with him, and they don't quite believe that he is who he says he is. And the, the lesson that we took out of that was that you can't really worry about other people's expectations of you. Uh, you've got to more so focus on God and what God wants you to do for your life. And especially the people closest to you, those are the ones that often have the greatest capacity to hurt you, uh, sometimes uh, on purpose, sometimes not so much. If you remember back in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus' family are trying to get him to stop doing what he's doing because he's making some people upset, probably wanting to help him preserve his life. Uh, but in doing that, Jesus would have uh, abandoned the calling on his life. Sometimes the calling on your life is going to require you to make some people uh, uncomfortable. And uh, as Jesus goes back and he starts, you know, uh, sharing in his own backyard, he says, what a prophet without is is not without honor in his uh, is without honor in his own backyard, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, that's the case. So if you in your walk with God uh, are not getting the response from the people that, you know, surround you. Uh, just keep pursuing God. And like we talked about, you know, many will see the change in your life and that will draw people to God. You just have to do it yourself first. Amen. So now the cutscene, we cut over to find out what happened to John the Baptist. And that's where we're going to kick this off in Matthew 14. John the Baptist, uh, an incredible servant of Jesus and of the kingdom of God, 
if you remember in the first few chapters, uh, we see John, who is Jesus's cousin, in the wilderness preaching a baptism of water, preaching a repentance of heart. He was the one prophesied to prepare the way for the Lord, right? And the preparation for what Jesus was about to deliver is a heart that's willing to turn in a different direction. And so that's ultimately what repentance is. It's to change one's mind, change one's heart, turn in the other direction and turn from the worldly things and turn to God. Repentance is not a process of getting beat up by God. Repentance is certainly not a process of being beat up by other believers. Repentance is a heart transfer in a sense where you turn, simply turn to God. Imagine yourself facing one direction, turning in the other direction. Amen. So, you know, also proof positive that sometimes, you know, uh, as you go on your walk, that there are going to be things that happen. And John the Baptist is imprisoned and ultimately executed. Okay, and that's where we're going to pick up and read. So we cut to uh, John the Baptist and Herod, Herod Antipas. Let's go ahead, read here. So we're going to do Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse one, and we'll go one through 12 today. It says, at the time of Herod, the Tetrarch, Herod, the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He himself has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Okay, so a little bit of context here, okay? Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch literally means ruler of the fourth part, okay? This Herod was a lesser king. He wasn't really a king. He was given the ability to rule over a certain part of Israel. Remember, Israel is under Roman rule at this time. And they didn't do anything without the emperor saying that you could. So he's kind of this makeshift king. Now, his father, Herod, who we saw back in chapter three, was the nasty guy who tried to trick the wise men. He ended up killing all of those children in search of Jesus, because he did not want another king to raise up because he was king. Go back to that teaching if you want uh, some um, if you want some additional uh, context into that. But what happened after Herod's nasty, nasty death was that his sons took over and now they're fighting for rule. So this is one of Herod's sons. And this is the, the son of Herod of that Herod that is over Galilee. So because he's over Galilee, that's where Jesus is performing the majority of his works right now. And he is obviously hearing about what's going on. Now, this Herod did a bad, bad thing. Okay. He executed John the Baptist. So when he hears about Jesus going through the countryside, doing all the things that he's doing, he believes that this is a reincarnated John the Baptist, and that's why he's going around doing miracles. So this guy is honestly clueless to what is um, going on. And it is also possible that Jesus and John looked alike because, again, they were cousins. So let's go back to our scriptures here, and we're going to go to verse 3. 
For when Herod had John arrested, so we're going to learn exactly what happened here, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying, it is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. Okay, so another couple things to unpack here today. John the Baptist is rebuking Herod Antipas because Herod basically puts away his wife. He sends his wife, his current wife away and then goes and seduces his brother's wife and takes her. Well, John the Baptist, a man not afraid to uh, step up and talk about what is right, again, stood in the desert with camel hair, telling the entire, uh, wearing camel hair and eating locusts, bizarre guy, telling all of the nation of Israel to repent. So the guy's not afraid to uh, say what he is on his heart. So he goes to Herod and says, hey, you're illegally divorced your wife. It is not legal for you to have your new wife. And Herod puts him in jail. But what Herod does is Herod wants to kill him or what he doesn't do right away is Herod does not kill him. Because Herod is afraid of the crowds because the crowds believe John the Baptist rightfully is a prophet. So this is the first point I want to I want to bring out here. And this is something we can all ask ourselves. Why don't you sin? Why don't you sin? Why don't you just why don't you just sin? Like why don't you sin? He's like why are you asking that question? Because the reason why Herod here doesn't kill John the Baptist is not because it's not the wrong thing, is he's afraid of the consequences. And as you begin to walk out your walk with God, you start to evaluate the places in your life, the places in your life where you are sinning, and hopefully trying, you know, with God's help to make changes in those areas. But a real gut check is to ask yourself why you don't sin. Because if you are not sinning, because of the fear of consequence, then I would venture to say the heart still needs some work. I'm speaking to myself as much as as much as I'm speaking to you here. It's everybody, right? It's proof positive that simply not sinning is not holiness. <laughs> because if you're if you're not speeding, let me see if I can give a good example here, just off the cuff, right? If you're, let's use stealing, okay? If you're not stealing, the next time you go to the grocery store, if the reason you don't steal is because you don't want to get picked up by the cameras and arrested for shoplifting, I challenge that reason for not stealing, right? We should not steal because we know it dishonors God, because we know that it falls below the calling of striving toward righteousness on our life because we know it hurts other people and we don't want to dishonor God in that way. I hope you follow what I'm saying here. Do we have a reverence? When I say fear of God, that's what I mean. A reverence, a respect for God that causes us to want to live a life 
that imitates him and how do we imitate him? We, we have the best example in Jesus to try to live our life as closely to how Jesus is. Or are we simply not sinning? Are we not cheating on our spouses? Are we not stealing from the store? Are we not driving recklessly? I can go through a million different scenarios here because we don't want the consequence that would come along with that. And if you would just meditate on that, I think that would help many of us move to another level of maturity in our life to do things that are right because they're right, not because we don't want to face the consequences. Very easy to say, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to face the consequences. Doesn't mean that your heart's right. Does that make sense? So moving right along here, we'll get to our next few points and then we'll wrap up for today. So again, Herod wants to put them to him to death, but he fears the crowd, okay? But when it was Herod's birthday, okay, he's letting a little loose on his birthday here, verse 6. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. So uh, safe to say she was not doing the electric slide, okay? So the daughter of his wife, his, his I guess, stepdaughter here, that would be, dances for the crowd. I'll leave that there. And pleased Herod so much, and there's probably alcohol involved, and Herod makes a promise. So much that he promised, verse 7, with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And after being prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. Okay. So now Herod gets himself in big, big trouble. And he makes a promise and he does not want to kill John the Baptist for fear of the crowd, but now he makes a promise and his wife, who's probably not happy about, you know, John the Baptist speaking against their marriage says to her daughter, tell him to give John the Baptist's head on the platter. And not only not tomorrow, do it right now when the party is going on says, although he was grieved, verse 9, the king commanded it to be given So because of his oaths and his dinner guests. So now, Herod is now once again afraid of the crowd. He sent word and had John the Baptist beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Once again, a couple points here. Be careful what promises you make, okay, especially under the influence, especially when your mind isn't right, especially when you're operating out of your flesh. Don't make promises that now you are in a bad position whether or not to keep. God instructs us to be careful about the oaths that we make. But also, we see that Herod here, First, he's afraid to kill John the Baptist because he's afraid of the the crowds outside. Now, he's afraid to do what is right because of fear of the, the opinion of all the people that are closest to him. So you see the pattern here as we wrap up. Herod is living his life sinfully based upon what other people think based upon trying to gain 
clout, stature with the people around him and doing whatever it takes, having no standard whatsoever. And this is what happens when we live a life where we're more concerned about what other people think than what God would have for our life. And it wouldn't end well for Herod. Okay? The father of his first wife was so offended by what happened that he came down and defeated Herod in battle. Herod's brother Agrippa accused him of treason. And Herod would never be called the king that he wanted to be called. As a matter of fact, the emperor Caligula, whom he begged to be king, Caligula ultimately banishes Herod and his wife to Gaul, and he and his wife commit suicide in Gaul. That's all historically written and proven. This all happened. This is not a story. This is not a, you know, a made-up thing. So this all happens, and Herod, who was so concerned about pleasing others to and, and selfishly so that he can get himself ahead, ends up him and his wife committing suicide in exile. So, you know, this is a, a perfect example of those who pursue ill-gotten gain suffer tremendous loss. And we close out this study with Jesus, right? When he hears about all this stuff going on. It says that John the ba- uh, uh, John's disciples came and took, verse 12, we're ending here, and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported it to Jesus. And at verse 13 says, then when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat. I'm just going to leave that because we're going to start with that tomorrow. We're going to start with now Jesus' next part in ministry, and we see how he's ministering to the crowds. But understand that Jesus didn't run away because of cowardice. Jesus, Jesus knew God's timing, the Father's timing. Jesus knew that there was wisdom in sticking around and moving on. He knew it wasn't his time to stay and fight and look. You know, there's something to be said about wisdom of understanding when you need to be in an area and when you need to go. And Jesus had plenty of work to do from this point forward. But as we wrap up today, I just want to encourage you again, very similar to our last message, but a little bit different. That, uh, you know, take a look at your life and ask yourself, why don't I sin? Are you afraid of the consequence? Or do you want to pursue a life that honors God? Because that's the more excellent way. And again, to reiterate, don't worry about pleasing the crowd. The swaying of public opinion is not what to guide your life by. The standards and the, the morality that God puts out there is what we should be guiding our lives by. Right? We see it with cancel culture. Right? Cancel culture is like having a pet lion. It's your friend until it's not. <laughs> Eventually it comes for everybody. Let's move toward a forgiveness culture. Amen. But as of today's message, let's really, really examine ourselves and ask why do we do and why don't we do the things that our flesh wants? It's because we want to pursue God and honor God and do what is right. And like in previous chapters, Jesus explained, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing, to honor God with our lives. Amen. So let's pray today. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, 
We thank you, Lord, that you walk with us today. Father, help us to strive toward being like Christ, loving people because it's the right thing to do, not committing sins, not just because we'll face a consequence, but because we want our lives to emulate and, and honor you. So, Father, help us to have that wisdom, Lord God, and not to pursue ill-gotten gain and not to worry about what everybody else is thinking, but just to put our focus on you. And for those that are out there that are still just reaching toward you, God, learning more about you, reveal yourselves to their heart, Lord God. Let them understand you and let the fruit of being your disciple just be all throughout their life. Let their life be dominated by love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. So that when we look back, we can say, we impacted this world for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. This is the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day and head out and do something amazing. Go bless somebody today. Be a blessing. Love you guys. We'll be continuing Matthew chapter 14 tomorrow.